we give Tanner a shot at running the board, and Tanner just completely drops the ball. Tanner, what are you doing, man? I know Tim. You're no Tim. <laughs> GW, can you hear us? Look at look at Tanner there. He'll be all right. But Chuck had a long week. Um, you gave up al- alcohol for Lint. I did. And Chuck found a loophole in the system. He found some uh, drinks at Eighth Wonder Brewery where we had Empower that are seltzers infused with Delta Eight uh, THC. So. Chuck has been stoned for the last three days or so. Well, I was high like... as a kite at uh, the Empower event. <laughs> My panel, I was kind of like, dude, what are you vibing on, man? It's all good. <laughs> Just had big time surfer Bitcoin vibes. Mining. <laughs> that was great. I uh, I don't think I violated the promise to God because I did not drink alcohol. Yeah. So You just drank Delta 8. Delta 8. It was great. By the way, I much prefer the lime to the watermelon. The watermelon I didn't like so much, but the lime I'm good with. Yeah, we got them now here at Digital Wallcatter's office. So if you run by, um, come have one. Just have a bunch of stone people walking around. So the, I'm stoned right now. <laughs> so the uh, the other thing going on is I got a new trainer. He's British. We do this online, and he wants me drinking a lot of water. I had no idea replacing alcohol with water would make me feel this good. I've been trying to tell you guys. I know. I've been trying to tell you that. I'm glad that uh, you started listening. But what do we got this week? I've man, I've been so uh, okay. I've we'll been so caught up with Empower that I don't even know what's been going on in energy this week. So number one, Biden announced a historic release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves of 180 million barrels of crude over the next six months. So basically, he's going to release a million barrels a day out of that. Going to take the SPR down to 25% full of capacity. And I get the point. He's trying to lower gas gasoline prices going into the midterm. But the market basically just burped at him just, <laughs> you know it just kind of went whatever i mean it just absorbs that no problem you said 180 million barrels i mean that's two days of world demand and he's been making releases on spr already so you said 25 percent uh full Is that, that, at the end of this up? that's where we'll supposedly be so there's not gonna be much of an spr left for him <laughs> to keep <laughs> tapping into here so. well and these are the same people that wouldn't let uh, Trump filled the thing up at thirty dollars a barrel. Let's 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 not forget that. That yeah. should not be lost on us. That this is who we're taking energy policy from. And I, I think the problem here is, and I I've said it, and I know I sound like I'm on Sesame Street when I say this, but it's nothing cures high oil prices like high oil prices. Mm-hmm. You need high oil prices to to destroy marginal demand. You need high oil price to stimulate drilling. Period. And if you're going to try to monkey with that, that's not serious, thoughtful policy. It has nothing to do with providing energy security. It's basically just a po- a political sham to try to win an election. And yeah. it's just it's going to be bad news because imagine three or four months from now, something hits the fan and we need our oil. Yeah. I mean, I always think of like SPR for like wartime. Yeah efforts you know if we if we need 
oil or resources. Or Saudi gets blown up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not just to alleviate high energy prices. And I think I saw on Twitter this morning that Biden is asking Canada for more crude. Is yeah. That, is that right? So he, I guess he, he did the rogues gallery of cutting a deal with Iran for their oil, sending envoys down to Venezuela to talk about their oil. And finally it got around to Canada, which I think's good, man, only if we had a pipeline, <laughs> could you imagine how great it would be? Goldman said that the SPR is to keep wait, SPR is to keep the Air Force airborne in times of emergency. Goldman's always just got good spins on things. He really does. He also says he doesn't do Lent. <laughs> so I don't do Lent either. So me and Goldman have something in, in mm -hmm. common. Yeah, I mean, one, it's it's pretty weak how Biden's been asking Saudi, Venezuela, now Canada for oil. You know, like we can physics are physics, right? It doesn't matter if you're asking American operators or foreign operators. You can't just produce more oil with the flick of a switch. And so really just seems like it's more theatrics of like, oh, well, I'm trying. You know, I'm asking people for oil. Well, the the ignorance on display of just pump more oil is beyond me. I mean, it takes drilling. It takes steel. It takes people. And the fact there's no recognition of that is beyond me. I mean, I hate to say this because it's so macabre, but people die when energy prices are high. People die when we have to buy energy from authoritarian dictators. It's, that's just the way it is. And if we're not going to address that with serious, thoughtful policies, then, I mean, we're hosed. Because yeah. uh, I think the other thing the SPR release shows you, the market's forward-looking. So it's not as simple as, as, okay, let's add a little supply or this or that. They're looking at big-picture trends in terms of, okay, is more supply coming on in the United States? Well, the rig count is slowly rising, but it's not dramatically up. Uh, the capital markets are still saying to companies, uh-uh, send us back cash, buy back stock. You can drill to maintain production, but that's about it. And so 180 million barrels just isn't going to change anything. So, yeah. And, and the, the one hope I have, cause you and I've talked about this a lot is I would love to figure out a way for us to get outside the echo chamber on energy advocacy and actually change hearts and minds of the populace about energy. It's good. The importance of security and all this in a weird sort of way. I think that the war has highlighted this as an issue, but I don't think we're doing a good job of responding with thoughtful policy about it. We're just, the Republicans are sitting there saying it's Biden's fault and Biden's sitting there doing shit like, well, I'll release from the SPR. We'll go get more oil and you'll just turn it on. And greedy corporate, you know, greedy companies trying to make make a profit and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I wish there were some way we could elevate this uh, this discussion. Yeah. One thing that I think is interesting, though, and it's actually kind of leads into our our next story is that capital markets seem to be opening back up you know all of these private equity funds that were um back in the day you know when i say back in the day i mean like 
two years ago <laughs> saying, hey, ESG only. We're not investing in oil and gas. Uh, we're divesting out of public equities. Seems like you're starting to see funds and investors come back into the space, and which leads us into our next story that we have an IPO on on deck. Um, what's your first? Who is the IPO with? I can't remember. It's Accelerate, right? Accelerate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that kind of goes back to the discussion Pickering and I had on the podcast like almost a year and a half ago. Pickering's like, energy's up 40%. And I kept saying, but how much trading volume do you have? Four shares? I mean, you know, there wasn't. And is there truly external capital available to the industry? And I think the answer has been no, 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 no. Uh, I've, I've traded texts with somebody in the know. And basically they've said generalists for call it the last six, nine months have been kicking the tires on energy. Okay. What's going on. They'll have a conference call. They'll talk about it. Uh, in the last six weeks, it's changed generalists are now truly fearful of missing an index because they don't have exposure to energy because energy is the runaway freight train right now. The rest technologies in the shitter. It's so funny because it couldn't have been more than three or four months ago on this show when we talked about how little it made up of the index and like you just didn't need exposure to it. And you had a good point that someone, some investment banker had brought up about um, the the role that energy and oil and gas plays in an index, but just the message and narrative has changed so much in such a yeah. short amount of time. I mean, and 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 this person was sitting there saying, literally in six weeks, it's totally changed. And so what you've got is you've got Accelerate. That's a George Kaiser company. What they own are FSRUs, which are floating storage regasification units. Uh, they're 48 of those in the world. So think these big tankers that are sending LNG all over the place. They own seven and they've got long-term leases on three others. So they've got, call it 20%-ish of the world market. This is the fastest way to get LNG to Europe. So they're on the road as we speak. I think the IPO is supposed to price next week. Uh, they're doing a $350 million IPO. If they price at the top end of the range, then you're talking about a $2.4 billion company. So what we want to see out of this kind of post-pricing is we want to look for things. Were they oversubscribed? Did they raise more money? Because on a, on a IPOS one, you can basically raise 20% more than is on the cover just by telling people you're going to do it. You don't have to refile and those mm -hmm. type things. So we're going to see, do they raise more, i.e. it was oversubscribed? Do they price at the high end of the range? I think the range is 21 to 24. So do they price at 24? Do they price at 21? Or do they price at 19? Uh, we'll watch the first week or two of trading just to see what happens in terms of volumes and the like. So we'll get a real sense from this of, hey, is energy back? Do we have access to capital? The one thing I worry a little bit about is you could not have picked a better IPO candidate given what's going on. We got to get LNG to Europe. Yeah. So we'll see if it's niche, if that's the pure story, or yeah. if this is, hey, energy's back. I imagine there's a lot of eyes on this, you know, past, let's call it 
four to five years. There just hasn't been any IPO activity in oil and gas. Um, we've had a lot of SPACs in the energy space, or especially around electric vehicles and renewables, but no just pure bred IPOs that are in the oil and gas industry. So I'm sure that a lot of people will be looking at this. And then to your point, is it just a niche um, outlier case or is this the beginning of a trend and is energy really back? Are we making a comeback? Yeah. So hopefully when the uh, we can get one of the, the bankers involved or maybe one of the uh, the CFO of the company or something to come on a podcast and talk about what they saw in the market. Cause I think that would be a uh, uh, really good Intel for them. GW just asked, what's the ticker for them? And it's EE is, uh, e is there EE -E. and uh, they're supposed to price next week. And Excel so accelerate energy accelerate. I, stands for. I think so. Um, accelerate eggs. Accelerate eggs. What else can the East for? Scramble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's going to be really uh, interesting to watch. So, well, speaking all right. Of your public, boy. Public markets. We got to talk about my boy, Elon Musk, taking a, uh, a big stake. He's the largest shareholder in Twitter now. I believe it was a 9.4% stake in the company. Uh, and... What's the form that he filed it on? Is that a 13? Uh, I forget. Is that a 13D? I, I think, think. I think it's a 13D. You basically have to file if you're above 5% in a yeah. publicly traded company. But files, files on this form says that it's passive. You know, he doesn't have any intention on influencing the company. And look at that. He's going on the board. <laughs> and then next day, he gets announced that he's taking a seat on the board. And I saw Jack Dorsey tweet out about it. Jack seems. I saw two tweets, one from the current CEO of Twitter, which, you know, I don't know how genuine <laughs> his welcoming is. And then I saw a tweet from Jack Dorsey and Jack's um, seems really authentic and genuine because Jack's been kind of going off. I don't know if you saw his tweet uh, a few weeks ago, but he was just talking about, um, you know, there was this golden age of the internet where, you know, things weren't behind a paywall and you could find good information and there wasn't censorship and things of this nature. And Jack Dorsey alluded to like, Hey, you know, the internet was kind of bastardized and I played a small part in that. And, um, I regret it. Oh, Tyler just said 13 G man. I was going to say 13 G. Then you said 13D, so I ran with it. 13G may be individuals and 13Ds are institutions or something. Yeah, so thank so you, Tyler. Appreciate you correcting us, Tyler. Um, we need all the help we can get. Yeah. <laughs> so one, I think I wish that we had BDE last week. We had a cancel, but I would have called it on that show because I've been talking about it the last couple of weeks when uh, Elon started putting out those uh, those kind of cryptic tweets about who believes in freedom yeah like freedom <laughs> of speech and you know he's like i can't remember what the poll question asked something about you know does twitter support free speech and he's like be careful with how you vote this could have like serious implications or consequences and i was like okay this dude's either going to start a social media platform or he's gonna buy twitter and my take was that he like why not why not buy a majority stake in Twitter? You know, all these other companies 
they die, whether it's Parlor or what was the other one? Gitter. Was right. it Gitter? Gitter. Yeah. yeah. You know, everyone tries creating another Twitter that um, isn't censored or controlled by the left. And I love that you just have like a base billionaire like Elon is like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy 10% of the company and we'll, we'll change this platform. So, so do this. Cause you follow Elon way more than I do. Uh, how do we rank this? Is this good for energy discussion on Twitter? Is this bad for energy discussion on Twitter? What do you think your thoughts are? How's it going to impact us daily? I think it's extremely good. Um, you know, we talk about this, a lot um here in the office i'm just looking at like how shitty my lighting is in here tanner we gotta fix this lighting <laughs> you do i'm looking at the screen you do kind of look like a ghost yeah my lighting's terrible i'm gonna chill out tanner even though tanner had nothing to do to do with this um no i think it's actually really really good because did you ever see that first joe rogan podcast with elon musk and they're talking about energy and there's a clip in there, like a two minute clip. And Elon's just talking about oil and gas workers. He's like, these are people that have worked hard all of their life and done good work to energize the world. And they play a critical part. And now all of a sudden they're being told that they're evil and that they're killing the planet. It's like, how would you feel if you're in their shoes? So he's actually really, um, he thinks objectively and reasonably when it comes to those things. And look, I mean, Elon bought a natural gas field in Texas to uh, power their um, facilities down in uh, down off the coast in Texas. I mean, he's not an idiot when it comes to energy, and he knows where we're at in the world right now. And I have much more faith in him than I do others when it comes to oh, you support oil and gas. You know, do you have a place on this platform, or should we boot you? Um, and that's a real thing. Like people think may not think it's a real thing. We put out a YouTube video on digital wildcatters and most of the information came from the environmental defense fund and all factual, no opinions. And the, um, title of the video was, is the oil and gas industry fighting climate change. And the premise of the video was talking about, um, mitigating, uh, methane emissions and flared gas and all factual, use environmental defense, uh, defense fund data. And our video got suppressed and hit with a fact check disclaimer about climate change. It's like you can't even have a data-driven conversation when I'm using data from env environmental defense fund. Like they're watchdogs for this and I'm using their data. And I still get hit with a climate change fact check and our video gets suppressed so like next move is like oh if you keep making content like this we're just going to boot you off the platform or not show you or not show anyone your content and so you can put on your tinfoil hat and think that it's just conspiracy theory but it's not alan gilmer founder of Inveris, he's banned from linkedin from using uh data-driven conversations around climate change so this isn't like some you know pie in the sky um, conspiracy theory that we're talking about. This is real shit. And I'm much more confident in Elon controlling a platform than I am other people. Yeah. I like the tweet somebody sent out. Elon did more for Twitter's stock price 
in the last three days than Jack did in the last eight years. Dude, it's so <laughs> frustrating because I've been so bullish on Twitter for the last couple of years. I think it's one of the most undervalued tech companies and they have such a hard time monetizing it. You know, ads don't perform well on Twitter. And so advertising isn't a big business for them like it is Facebook, Google, um, TikTok, or even Snapchat. And so the the beef is always, hey, can Jack Dorsey burn a few brain cells and like actually think of how does this platform make money? It's one of the most valuable platforms. And Elon said that. He's like, what other platform do you have? Or like people are just, you know, world leaders are sending their messages through Twitter. That's insane that, you know, we just have this uh, really, you're kind of bypassing national media right like they're not i mean i've traded dms with chad ochocinco he sent me his cell phone number yeah and uh (laughs) and then shaquille o'neal i mean and so yeah there's there's no media yeah or there's no wall in between you and so yeah so anyways i think this is bullish i think it's net positive for society know a lot of people out there don't like elon musk but i think that the things that he works on are generally net positive for society and that that's what matters. So anyways, we'll see. Uh, he says he's got some some big changes he wants to implement over the next uh, few months. So. And, and it's and it's real because I, I just, you know, anecdotally, when I send out a tweet, if I send out tweets that are pro oil and gas, they get a lot less views than, you know, if I send out some stupid tweet that has nothing to do with oil and gas. And you can't tell me that's an accident, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, there's something to it. So last week we had the empower conference. Why don't you give a quick recap of it? And then let's talk a couple of things that came out of it that maybe weren't appreciated. Yeah. I mean, first everyone that came to empower. Thanks a ton. Um, you know, what makes an event like that so special is the type of people that come to it. It's nothing without the people. And you just had a room full of amazing people from all different backgrounds, from Bitcoin, from mining, from oil and gas, renewables, you know, mining pools. So I learned a ton, you know, even just in the panels that I was moderating, you know, hearing, uh, you know, Nick, the CEO of Luxor, talk about derivatives on hash, uh, hash price. I was like, man, that's, you know, food for thought. I need to start thinking about that. And so, I think it was really valuable for everyone. You know, one thing that I really realized was um, how critical Steve Barber's been to the ecosystem. You know, I'm sitting there moderating this panel and you have um, how many guys that I have on there? Three, three or four um, oil and gas guys turned Bitcoin miners and every single one of them up on that stage said that they got their start from discovering Steve Barber. And so it's pretty cool to hear, you know, you start hearing like these origin stories and like all past, like kind of flow back to Steve Barber. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. The, you know, two things kind of struck me. So I was moderating the finance panel again on my Delta eight. So I was, uh, I was pretty happy, <laughs> but just talking to Greg Beard, the CEO of Stronghold Mining was on my panel and Greg's a long time private equity oil and gas guy. Th- those are his roots. And just the parallels that Bitcoin mining has to oil and gas and the way he was framing it up, you know, there are a lot of lessons we learned in the shale revolution that are going to apply to Bitcoin mining. 
And so we need to be cognizant of that. I think something else that I didn't appreciate that we heard because we had a breakfast with Senator Cruz the next morning yeah. is Bitcoin miners were up there telling stories and they were talking about being in small towns in Texas that I'd never heard of. And they had one company and I'm blanking on who it was, had 250 workers. The average salary was about 90,000 bucks. They, uh, they had welders, they had IT people, they had administration, all electricians, plumbers, electricians, yeah. plumbers, all that in this small little town. Yeah. And uh, I think that's been one of the things, not intentionally, but that's quote unquote weakened America is that the small town kid has to move to the city to be successful and doesn't have an, uh, an avenue for, for growth, accumulating wealth in the small town he or she grew up in. Yeah, so. I mean, you look at the fabric of what made America great, it's because we're a nation that built, and we don't build things anymore. You know, we don't build energy infrastructure, we don't manufacture. And so I thought that was pretty refreshing to hear, about, hey, we're building these Bitcoin mining facilities in very remote locations and giving an opportunity for people in those areas to make something out of their life. And, you know, I think from my background, my personal life, like I really, uh, I relate to that. You know, I came from small town and had the opportunity to work hard and make money in the oil field. And I was rewarded, you know, the only, the only bottleneck for me was how hard am I willing to work and how much time am I willing to put in and had opportunity. And so I think that's really important is to create opportunity, not just in big cities, but across these remote areas in the United States. And it was good to hear that from them because sometimes I've questioned how many jobs do Bitcoin mining facilities actually create? Because it's easy to think like, oh, you just plug in computers and you let them sit there and run. You never need to touch them. But you talk to these big miners and like, no, we need welders and we need electricians and IT and admin and plumbing. And it starts making sense because you look at their facilities and there are these huge pieces of infrastructure. They're basically massive data centers. Yeah. 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 And so I thought that was pretty cool as well and kind of gave me some uh, fresh perspective on the opportunity that it opens up for people. And um my favorite line of literally the, the whole conference was Senator Cruz giving the keynote. And he said, the same reason communist China hates Bitcoin is the same reason Elizabeth Warren hates Bitcoin. They cannot control you through it. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. I was impressed with Cruz. Oh, no, Cruz. Look, Say what you want about the guy's politics. Look, He's smart. Yeah. I mean, Cruz is smart. And, you know, I haven't always been the biggest fan of him, but on this topic, he's on point. He understands it. You know, at that breakfast, you had probably about 75% of Texas hash rate in representation in that breakfast. And he was asking really intelligent questions, really just trying to learn and see, hey, what policy can be created to help greenlight Bitcoin mining, in, especially in the state of Texas. And so I was really impressed with him. Um you know, I think Ted Cruz would really appreciate most of our finger of the week segments uh, for Elizabeth <laughs> Warren. You know, he said, he's like, these people hate you. He's like, they are not your friends. They do not like you. I told him, I said, look, 
I'm from oil and gas and I'm also in Bitcoin. I'm probably the most hated, <laughs> you know, per, plus you're Colin. Yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah plus I just am who I am. So, uh, no, got some great insight from him and how, how they're thinking about it. And, you know, hopefully, um, him and other forward thinking people can help us, you know, get some, get some structure around this. Yep. Cause, uh, it makes so much sense for Texas to so, be the hub of that. Speaking Play of figure of the us. week. Speaking no, no, of no, 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 Do our conspiracy first. Oh, yeah. First. I forgot. Yeah, you. we promised everybody the conspiracy. All right, guys. We got a new EOG conspiracy. So you might have remembered Budagate. The home of Budagate here was, at Digital Wild When Coast. was Budagate? Was that? That uh, was November of 20. Yeah, so 2020 was when Budagate was. Now someone's in my Twitter DMs with a new EOG conspiracy theory. So we've had all these wildfires in Texas, right? Um, over the last couple weeks. And so I get this message. I'm going to read you guys the message just so that you can hear it verbatim. I said, all right, this is going to sound crazy, but have you looked at the three fires that started last week in South Texas, the Borrega, Vib, and Los Angeles fires? All three started around the same time, within 30 minutes of each other, and all started very near EOG gas production facilities. Can't tell exactly where they started, but it does not seem like a co coincidence. How can three fires 40 to 90 miles apart all start at the same time on EOG gas fields? This is crazy. I'm sure you get a million crazy messages a day, but let me know what you think. I don't know what to think. I posted that on Twitter just before we got on the show to see what other people's reactions were. Someone said, um, someone said that EOG is hands down the best when it comes to flare mitigation and controlling. I was like, if these were all connected, my mind doesn't go to flares because that wouldn't, right. that wouldn't, you know. Why would that all start within 30 with, minutes yeah. of each other? I was yeah. like, look, I've been talking about climate terrorism uh, for a while now. This is a real thing. There's a podcast out there of guys convincing people to go out there and commit climate terrorism. And so destroy a pipeline. Yeah. Like, that. why would you not? I don't know. Why would you not go try to frame EOG and be like, oh, all these fires started from EOG, not gas oh, facilities? I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Did you, you throw a conspiracy theory in front of me? I'll, I'll start throwing some shit out there. Oh, to I'm totally, I'm totally down it. with this. The, uh, <laughs> so here's what we'll do this week, uh, BDE audience. We will call EOG and ask for a comment on it, and we'll see what they uh, say. We'll give Tanner that job because I don't want to be embarrassed <laughs> and call him, hey, these fires. But, uh, <laughs> we'll do that. Hallie Burton just said on Twitter, even assuming it was arson, making the leap to climate terrorism is unfounded. Yes, it exists. They've done crazy stuff, but come on, people start fires for all kinds of sick reasons. The industry doesn't always have to be a victim. Look, I'm not the one making podcasts, encouraging people to go commit climate terrorism or blowing up pipelines or trains. You can't say that it doesn't exist. It exists. I'm not saying it is climate terrorism. I'm just saying, what if? I'm slightly insinuating that it's client, climate terrorism just for ratings. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah guess like, what? Budagate, we don't know if it was real or not. Yeah. It was a good story. I know Greg believes it. And he, and believes he it. still believes it to this day. So so we'll keep you up to date on the, uh, on the EOG fire conspiracy, see if anything happens. All right, now let's go into Finger of the Week. Chuck. I'm hitting play.
Okay, Colin, this is your baby. <laughs> what what the heck is a car boot and Tabibi or Tabi? <laughs> Tabibi. Tabibi. What's this story? All right. So here's a story. One, I don't do business with slimy motherfuckers, right? So I get, let me just preface this story with that. We have a contract for a parking lot for Empower on Wednesday and Thursday, but we had to be there to set up the day prior on Tuesday. Didn't know we didn't have a contract. All the staff that was setting up, I mean, you had probably, I don't know, 40 people there. They're setting up tents and AV and heavy equipment. So they all park in this parking lot and they're there for most of the day. And, and just to note, the parking lot is actually blocked in because we have the streets shut down. Yeah. So, streets streets are yeah. shut off. Only way you can access the parking lot is if you're part of the event. So anyways, people are naturally parking there. And all of a sudden, someone runs over and they're like, they're booting our cars. They're booting our cars. I'm like, what? And so run over there and there's this security service that's like sitting there like little fucking weasels, like ducking behind cars, booting them. They got the car parked back in the corner so that we like can't see them. And anyways, I'm like, yo, 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 stop, stop. Like we're renting the lot. And they're like, no, you don't have a contract for today. I'm like, okay, let us call the owner of the lot. We'll, we'll get it worked out. And because innocent mistake on that, like, yeah, innocent, like, innocent yeah, mistake by both sides. Cause yeah. maybe the owner should have said, Hey, if you're renting it these two days, are you setting up? Yeah. Maybe we so should have thought I of said, that. let's get on the phone with the owner and the service. They get paid by the car. Right. So he keeps sitting there booting every car. And I'm like, dude, stop. Just let us call the owner. And anyways, call the owner. Owner's like, Oh, you don't have a contract. I'm like, fucking call us. It's not a money thing. Would have paid you. We would have paid you for this day. Um, have no problem paying you. It's just a simple misunderstanding, right? And so, anyways, instead of having to pay a two thousand dollar fine because they had booted about sixteen cars, ended up paying about eight hundred dollars, which still, still not happy about. And so this guy, like, yeah, finger of the week. Don't. The only reason we continue to rent the lot and I paid the invoice is because Claire, who is a saint. <laughs> she heavily influenced me to continue renting the lot for the next two days. But next time you come boot my shit without giving me a phone call, I'm not renting your fucking lot and don't do business with people like that. So finger of the week to, to Beeb or however, however you, you say your name. I don't even care so, to know how to say your name. So the, the thing I like and Tanner, we're going to bust you again is Tanner's got a camera rolling on you talking to this guy. Yeah, Tanner, Tanner's, go Tanner's and, chasing me. Tanner's chasing me. I turn around, and he's got a camera up in my face. He's like, all right, Colin, you're on. And I'm like, dude, I'm fucking pissed off right now. Like, the old roughneck Colin's, like, about to come out. Please have to take me aside, like, you know, talk me through it. They're like, hey, you know, he's got a body cam on. Watch what you're saying, you know, this and that. And Tanner's, like, up in my face with the camera, and – he probably has like a 10 second clip of like, I'm pissed off. Get the fucking camera out of my face. <laughs> so, so two, two other funny things is, you know, you're going through all that and Claire comes up and says, Chuck, I really think you need to get over and handle the situation. And I said, okay, I'll help. And I walked and got another Delta eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, just bring then, everyone Delta eight. Just, just went, got a, uh, let's just chill out. Here, and it, so. At some point I kind of figured out. And then the other funny thing was uh, about 30 minutes later, I'm sitting there with Tanner and Tanner's like, do you think I still have a job? I go, man, just don't put a camera <laughs> in Colin's face when he's so pissed off. 
well in hindsight i'm like no that's the good stuff like we we should have that on video so hopefully we got that clip and we can play it but yeah i lost my cool for a few minutes but we got it all worked out and we're good now so anyways it's good for a change that um Elizabeth Warren or Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden on our finger of the week. And it's some random parking lot <laughs> downtown Houston. Exactly. But anyways, guys, appreciate you tuning into the show this week. We'll be back next week, uh, 1030 a.m. Central on Tuesday, like every Tuesday. Um, actually, I think you and I are going to be in Vegas. So, so we we do BDE and then literally we'll head out to go to Vegas. Go to the um, after that. Forum cool. Software is doing their user forum out there. And we're yeah. actually going to be on a panel yeah and so yeah so if you're fun. if you're in vegas for the uh quorum uh i believe it's called connect um apologies if that's the wrong name but if you guys are out there for that hit me and chuck up we'll be there for a couple of days rumors um, rumors of the encore beach club uh wednesday night after we speak the problem with that is you know, I gave up booze for Lent. I seriously thought Easter was April 10th. It's the 17th. So I'm negotiating a loophole with God. You yeah. can't go to the just Encore week, Beach Club without having yeah. bottle service. So right, I won't judge you. So, all right, guys. Appreciate y'all tuning in. We'll catch you next week.